Hello, this is Rob from successunlocked.com and welcome to the podcast. In this episode, the very first episode of Success Unlocked, I'm chatting with my friend Simon Hartley. Now, Simon is a sports psychology consultant and a world-class performance coach, working with athletes and businesses and a whole vast array of other people to help them to really get as close to their potential as it's possible to do and become world-class in their field, whatever that might be. Now, I met Simon through a mutual friend of ours when I attended a couple of their events and seminars and quite honestly was just blown away by the way that he's able to take somebody from where they are and really just nudge simple improvements in their lives and in their performance that just make them better, think better, be better, behave better. And so I knew that I wanted to get Simon on as the opening guest on the podcast. So we're going to chat to him in just a moment. Just before we do, I'm a big believer in the power of positive thinking. I believe that one positive thought can change the outlook of your entire day. So what I've done is I've put together a simple workbook for you containing 50 powerful positive thoughts, kind of affirmations that you can use to start to rewire your mind and rewire your subconscious to think about yourself, your behavior, your actions, and your reactions to the world around you in a more positive manner. Now, I've put it up there for free for you to go and download. It's on the resources page on my website. So you can head over to successunlocked.com forward slash resources if you want to go ahead and download that. Now, as you're listening to the podcast, make sure you take a screenshot on your phone or your tablet or your computer, wherever it is that you are listening to this right now. Share it on social media. If you put it on Instagram, tag me at success.unlocked and tell us what your big takeaway from this episode is. So I think that's enough waffle from me. Let's uh, start the show. This is Success Unlocked, where we uncover what it really takes to become the happiest, most confident, motivated, and truly fulfilled version of yourself with advice and inspiration to create your own extraordinary life. Whatever success means to you, it's waiting just around the corner. Simon, welcome to Success Unlocked. How's it going? It's going very well, thank you. Yeah, delighted to be here and absolutely honoured to be your very first guest. (laughs) This is going to be very exciting. Honestly, I love, whenever we get the chance to speak, I always leave that conversation feeling inspired and motivated and just better. So I know that the listeners are going to love this as much as I do. Now, before we get into the sort of the meat of this particular interview, I've got a question for you, a big question. It's the one I'm going to ask everybody. And that is, I think success means different things to different people. It's not like a defined standard. So I want to know, what does success really mean to you? Yeah, I've got a very personal view of success. Um, It's not the cliched um, view that I think many people have about time, money, freedom, all those sorts of things. Um, My view is that being proud of who I am constitutes success. And that means not what I've done, not what I've achieved or anything like that, but who I am as a human being, who I am as a person. And I talk to my daughters a lot about my pride in them and and Caroline, my wife's pride in them, it doesn't really depend on the results you get at school or whether you pick up trophies or anything like that. That's We're not going to be more proud of you or less proud depending on your exam grades. We're proud of who you are as a person. Um, you don't become more generous, more kind or anything like that just because you get higher exam grades. Um, and, and it's that that we're proud of. So who I am as a human being is that's that's my success, my view of success, being proud of that. I love that. It's an answer I've never heard before from talking to other people when I've asked that question generally. I think I think that's really, really cool. So one of the things that you really specialize in is helping people to develop a better, I'm going to use the word better, character, to, to develop their character, to become more successful in whatever it is that they're doing or better at whatever it is that they're doing. So before we dive into it, what's your definition of what character really is? 
Yeah, character, I think, is is critical. Um, I define or describe my character as the outward expression of who I am. So it's the way I live my personal values and my beliefs and my philosophy. And it's not it's not just having those values. It's the way I live them. So I could say, for example, that I valued honesty. But if I tell some porky pies, then I'm not being honest. So being honest is a characteristic. That's, you know, the characteristic of honesty. Um, and there are lots and lots of characteristics. If you think about all of the characteristics, there are courage and tenacity and resilience and sincerity and all those sorts of things. The way you live those really um, outlines and, and give, gives kind of vision to your character. And then presumably your character, is that what leads to the results that you get in, in your life? Because that is your actions. Yeah, if you, if you think about what drives us, um, what drives our thinking, what drives our, uh, our actions and our behaviours and the choices that we make, our character often drives those things. Um, and if we think about over the course of the long haul, it's really our character that drives that success. Um, there are lots of people who understand their behaviours, but they don't necessarily understand what drives those behaviours. So... And behaviours, because they're fairly superficial, there are lots of things that can drive our behaviours. For example, uh, reward can drive some behaviours and consequence can drive behaviours. So if you do X, we'll give you a reward. If you don't do it, you'll get a consequence. The problem is what happens if we're not watching? What happens then? Do we still do the thing we should do or not do the thing we shouldn't do? And, and it's actually our character that really drives what we do, how we think, what we say, when nobody's watching. That's uh, is one of the definitions that lots of philosophers use of character. You know, what would you do if nobody's watching? Um, and, and the ability to do the right thing for the right reason, not just because there's a reward if you do or a consequence if you don't, but just because it's the right thing to do is another way that lots of philosophers uh, describe and define character. It's interesting the word character crops up. If you you know, somebody meets you at a party and then they leave you. So he, he was a bit of a character or she was a bit of a character, but what they're actually describing there, I guess, is your outward personality. That, that's, that's characters become the sure. word. He's a bit of a character has become the word that's for right. outward personality. Now character and personality are therefore different, aren't they? Should we talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So, so they're, they're probably saying you're a quirky individual, right? Um, <laughs> but, but they're not, they're not saying, um, you are courageous, which is a characteristic, or you're generous, or you're honest or kind or whatever. And they're genuine characteristics. Personality is different. Um, you know, lots of people, when they, when if you've ever been had a personality profile done, you'll see that when it comes back, it tells you whether you're a detail-orientated person, whether you're an I-dotter and a T-crosser, um, whether you're structured, whether you're creative, whether you're goal-driven, all of those sorts of things. But if we think about it, that doesn't really tell us about our character. We could be an I-dotter and a T-crosser and very detail-orientated, but are we an honest one? Are we a courageous one? Yeah, that's the level of character underneath it, the characteristic. Um, and, and if we think about the success that we get in life, a lot more of it's driven by our character than it is about, than our, you know, driven by our personality. I think this, 
sort of distinguishing between those two things that I think until until I met you and we had this conversation and certainly until people listen to this, I think a lot of people will lump all of those things as being just who I am or who I'm not rather than being two separate pools of things. And I, I think that's really, really interesting. So in terms of somebody looking at their life right now and thinking, well, I am where I am, but I'd like to be over there or I'd like to be up there or I'd like to be down there. I'd like to be doing something else. How do we start to find the areas of our character that we need to work on in order to become that person, I guess? Yeah. When we're being sort of honest and aware with ourselves, we probably understand there are some characteristics we would like to elevate maybe even some that we'd like to suppress a little bit. We'd like to be more like this and less like that. And when we start to really appreciate that our character evolves and it's constantly evolving and that over time we have become the person that we are, we might not have deliberately and intentionally become the person that we are. We may not have been deliberately developing the characteristics that we want. Actually, many people end up at a point in their life thinking, I'm not really sure I like the person that I am. And I haven't got the characteristics that I want. And we forget that actually we have become that person, but we've probably done it by drifting there. We've probably done it because we're passive and and it's happened almost by default. But we can at any point start to take control, take the wheel and direct and shape our character, sculpt it to become the person that we want to be. And really just being active and intentional in that process is the first step. Um, I mean, years and years ago, I... I was studying world-class performers uh, and I was also studying those who had taken on massive challenges, the ones that most people would call impossible. And I wondered how on earth do they do it? Uh, And I, I started to understand a bit more about them. And one of the characteristics they've got in abundance is tenacity, that ability to just keep going and not quit. And I thought, how much tenacity have you got? And I looked, kind of looked at myself in the mirror and I thought, mm, I do give up on things. I do back off when it gets tough. And actually, if I want to really genuinely achieve the things in my life that I want to achieve, I need more tenacity. So I set myself on a little path to develop tenacity. And the truth with character is we develop character through challenge. And it's the choices we make when we hit the challenges that really shape our character. So from my point of view, I needed to present myself with a challenge that uh, it almost created lots and lots of quick points, as I call them. That, that moment where you think, ah, do I really want to go on? So, so I created a challenge, which was to walk 100 miles in 24 hours. Um, if anybody's thinking, oh, that sounds like a good idea, it's, it's really, really, uh, it's a brutal challenge. I mean, it's, it's utter pain. So, um, so it's not one to take on, likely. So, but I, I needed to construct this challenge for myself. And actually, I, I, the other thing I wove into it is that I created 12 and a half mile laps. So I had eight laps and they start and finished at my house. And this gave me more temptations to quit. And it was that process that the choices that I had to make when I hit that quit point that really helped me shape tenacity and, and sculpt it and become a more tenacious person. I can now use that. Um, I've used it when writing books. Um, I'm writing one at the moment, which is a, a fictional book. It's the first fictional book I've written. Um, I've written eight non-fiction books, but this, I mean, writing a fiction book is really different and uh, I don't have the skill set to write a fictional book or I didn't, didn't when I started, I'm better now. And there've been so many points along that journey where I could have, I just could have bugged out. I, you know, I could have pulled the ripcord and, uh, and jumped out and just concluded I was never a fictional writer in the first place. What was I even thinking? But I kept going. 
because I learned that there are two questions you have to ask to get through a quit point. Why are you doing this and how much do you want it? And if you can answer both of those, you'll get through to the other side. Uh, It's what I had to do on my walk when I hit the quit point. I had to ask myself, why are you doing this and how much do you want it? And then because I answered it, I got through to the other side. It's the same with writing this book. Um, And it's it's allowed me now, I'm on my seventh full draft and it's an 80,000 word book. Um, So it's allowed me to go through all of the iterations necessary to take it from my first draft was about a two out of 10. Um, My last latest draft um, just before Christmas was about a five, five and a half out of 10, but I'm still working on it. I'm still going. Um, So, so I've developed this, this characteristic of tenacity. It's not fully formed yet. There's still more I could do, but I didn't have very much and I've got a lot more now. Um, so, so it's the same with any characteristic. I did the same with, um, courage when I started to unpick my fear of spiders and work out how I develop courage. You know, courage is the ability to step towards the things you're scared of. So I deliberately took steps towards the things I was scared of to develop courage. Um, I did it with consistency. Um, a couple of years ago, I set myself another daft little challenge to uh, do a thousand press-ups a month and run a thousand miles in the year because I had to do something every day. Right. You know, I had to develop that consistency of getting up in the morning thinking, oh, God, it's raining outside. Do I really want to go for a run? And thinking, yeah, because this is how you develop consistency. If you if you conclude it's too cold tomorrow, I'll just do it tomorrow. You know, oh, too cold today, I'll just do it tomorrow. You're not developing consistency. Um, so, so, you know, by by creating these little challenges, you actually develop the characteristics you want. I love that. It's interesting. And I think if our alarm clocks and mobile phones didn't have snooze buttons, we'd all be much better at getting out of bed. But we all have an inbuilt quit. quit uh, we'll have a quit point at six o'clock in the morning, whatever time your alarm goes off, don't we? And it becomes so much easier to just snooze that alarm. I like that. Now, you did an interesting thing as part of your work, I suppose, as well as developing the, these different characteristics, which is you documented the process on video, which you've obviously then released and used as part of courses and seminars and that kind of thing. Where does accountability, and because the problem is, and this is this is what you said about character, the character is the thing you would do when nobody's looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, is there some advantage to making sure some people are looking as you're starting to build these characteristics? Uh, I think you could start off by uh, creating some external accountability, but I'm a big fan of moving towards personal responsibility. And the thing with documenting them, yes, I did document them, but I didn't tell anybody uh, ahead of time that I was going to do it. I didn't have a crowd watching me. I mean, I took my phone with me and we published it afterwards because I just wanted to sort of just, just create a route map for people to help them understand how to do it, you know, a little path that if they want to, they could start to follow um, and inspire other people to, uh, to start developing these things themselves. But I didn't, you know, with the, with the hundred mile walk, I deliberately didn't make it a fundraising event. Right. Um, I didn't have eyes on me. It was literally just me. I set off one evening at nine o'clock. Um, I had my pack on my back. I, I did have my phone. I'd never done a selfie video at that point. Um, I didn't even know where the buttons were. So that was my <laughs> very first uh, selfie video that I ever did. And uh, and, and I, I just did it. And part of that was I didn't want to have the external influence of uh, thinking I met, might let people down or that people were watching. I, I, it had to be me. So, um, so you, yeah. You would be the, disappointed those- in yourself the worst kind of disappointment. You would be disappointed in yourself. I think that's really interesting. As, as you've worked with people who are world-class or are in that caliber, what are the sort of characteristics that you found that they, they share as applies to us normal folks? 
Yeah, the, I mean, there are, uh, I, I found eight, um, eight characteristics that they all share. The first one is that they're driven by a real sense of passion. You know, they, they're doing whatever they do for the right reason. They're doing it to be the best they can possibly be. They're not doing it for fame, money, glory, anything like that. Um, or, and, and, you know, there are some very highly successful people who have been driven by fear of failure. You know, they're doing it to prove something to somebody else. But, but that's not what sustainably world-class people do. And they're driven by passion. Um, they also have a real habit of simplifying everything. Um, understanding what they do in the simplest possible terms. M- most people overcomplicate, honestly. If you ask them to like draw a mind map, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. These people deliberately simplify and clarify what they do, and they end up sort of cutting out rather than adding in. Um, they also are brilliant at focusing on the next step, the one that's right in front of them, and not getting too carried away with the outcome or the destination. Yes, sure, they do know where where they want to go, but they're not focused on it all the time. They're focused on the step that they're taking. Um, They know when to and when not to compromise. Um, They they know that there are some things that are too important to compromise and some things that they're probably willing to. They'll often compromise comfort, but they won't compromise quality or standards or anything like that. Um, In business terms, sometimes they they do compromise profit, but they don't compromise the, the service that they deliver. Right. Um, they're very happy to push the boundaries, push the envelope, as I call it. They're happy to try it. They're happy to fail. They're happy to push it until it breaks. Um, in fact, one of the guys said to me, when, when I asked him, how do you know when you find your limits? He said, you have to push it until it breaks and then you come back a little bit. And they're perfectly happy breaking things. Um, they're mentally tough. Um, and to me, mental toughness has got sort of uh, three component parts to it. It's tenacity, that's your ability to just keep going. The resilience, which is your bounce back ability. And composure, which is your ability to make great decisions and uh, and operate really well whatever's going on around you. It's that ability to hold your nerve and not throw a great game plan out the window just because you see the first sign of trouble. Um, They take real responsibility, full responsibility for what they do, and therefore they take control. You really don't hear world-class people blaming anybody else or anything else. They start by asking, what did I do? How well did I do it? How well can I improve? You know, what can I do to improve it? They're not thinking it was in business terms, it was the economy or it was the politicians or it was COVID or it was whatever. They're not thinking those things. They're perfectly happy saying, what did I do? How good was my game plan? How well did I execute it? What can I go and do next? And the the eighth one is that they are very happy being themselves knowing absolutely in the full knowledge that they are weird. They're not normal people. You know, they don't make normal decisions. They don't just fit into the, into the middle of the bell curve in the, you know, into the flock. They stand out a long way. Um, as a friend of mine once described it there, uh, they're very happy being off center. So, uh, so when you think about many people uh, don't make decisions that make them stand out, they, they prefer to be normal. Right. But these people are very happy knowing that they're not normal and they're very weird. Um, because it, honestly, if you want to be world-class, you can't be normal because normal isn't world-class. Normal is average. I think it's really interesting. And you see loads of people and anyone listening to this, you know who you are if you've got one. Have a, have like a plaque or something on the kitchen wall that says live, laugh, love and all those things. And I feel like everybody should actually have a plaque that's got the eight 
world-class characteristics on it. Because actually, I think listening to this, I know when I've heard you talk about this before, and again now, there's definitely things that I work down that, and I think, hmm, there's definitely things there that I would like to work on. There's definitely things there where I need to come up with my equivalent 100 miles in 24 hours or a thousand push-ups in a month or whatever. So I think just listening to that there, if people can maybe listen back to this and write those things down, I think, or go and get the show notes for this episode. I think there's a bunch of stuff there that people need to be kind of working towards in order to start creeping towards being world-class at anything. You know, whatever that is, whether it's something you're doing for your career, whether it's something to do with relationships, whether it's something to do with finances, whether it's your business, or maybe you are going to be an Olympic athlete. Who knows? Now, you also do a lot of work with identity. So let's talk a little bit about how you define what identity is. Yeah, so identity is essentially the way we see ourselves. It's what we believe about ourselves. Um, and so if you think about that that sentence that starts, I am dot, 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 or I am a, we're, we're communicating what we believe about ourselves. Um, if we also understand that the words I can and I can't usually follow identity, um, oh, I'll never be able to dot, dot, dot or yeah, yeah, I'm perfectly capable of dot, 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 then that also is an expression of our identity. And identity drives an awful lot of our perceptions of the world, um, whether we see risk, whether we see opportunity, um, whether we see threat, all of those sorts of things are largely driven by our identity, our belief as to whether we could do it or not, um, whether we even start the challenge. If you think about why people either never start or give up when they hit a hurdle, often that is driven by their identity. It's dictated by their identity. Uh, and if I think about, you know, I'm writing that fictional book at the moment. One of the things that could have stopped me initially is that thought that I'm not a fictional author. I've never written fiction before. What on earth makes me think I could? And when I get that feedback that says, um, the first feedback I got from an editor, um, I was sitting in the, in my dining room and, uh, Caroline on one side of me, Dino, who I know you know, was sitting opposite. And um, and I picked up my phone to read the email, and it says, book feedback, brackets, brace yourself. <laughs> and, uh, and I thought, ah, okay. And, and it started by saying, technically, you have got a story because it's got a start, middle, and end, but that's where your good news finishes. Right. Um, and, and then he went into the critical feedback. Uh, Caroline could see my face sort of drop as I was reading it, and she said, what's that? I said, oh, it's feedback about the book. Uh, she said, can I have a look? So I handed her my phone. She got about one paragraph in and, and said, I can't read the rest. And then she said to me, you don't have to finish it if you don't want to. You know, you, you could just you can just quit. And this is the point where actually my identity is in a little bit of a tug of war. There's a part of it that says you're not a fictional author. What the hell do you think you're doing? And there's another part of my identity that is almost based on, on my entrepreneurial um, spirit. I know that I've taken on stuff I could never do before. I've taken on tons of things I could never do before. I've been in so many situations where I, I've, I've got genuinely got no answer, but I've got to figure it out. And somehow we figured it out. So that part of my identity is pulling back in the other direction. So I'm thinking, okay, fine. I might not be a fictional author, but equally I wasn't a dot, 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 but I am now. Right. Um, you know, at one point in time, I hadn't started a business, but I have now. At one point in time, I hadn't walked 100 miles in 24 hours, but I have now. So it, this is just one of those things that, like all of the others, you can figure out as you go along. 
gradually you'll get better and one day you might even be get it into a position where you're happy to publish it. So, so that was the other part of my identity pulling back. And if we start thinking about how our identity impacts on our success, we can start really unpicking why we make the decisions that we make, why we approach the things we approach and back away from the things we back away from, stick with the things we stick with and not. You know, we, we start to see all of that um, package unfurling and we start to understand ourselves uh, in a lot more detail. So I guess that identity and character sit together nicely in a certain uh, way because you your character is reflected in the things that you say and think about yourself, I suppose. So for example, I have for a long time, I've often said, I'm not a creative person. So I've got friends who are very creative. And so when it comes to writing my hypnosis show or doing anything else, usually I'll, I'll bring somebody else in as a favor and say, look, can you just come and help me with this? Because I'm not a very creative person. And actually that was because partly because I had, I had a wrong, I had an incorrect view of what creativity was. I thought creativity was literally starting from nothing and having to come up with a bunch of stuff as opposed to tapping into other things, etc. different episode. Uh, however, it did yeah. until this year, and I'm 32 now, it did until this year fuel this identity thing that I'm not very creative and therefore I didn't take on creative challenges and therefore a characteristic of mine was avoiding, I suppose, avoiding creativity. So where does identity and creativity work together in order to help us or hinder us? So yeah, as you, as you said, the character and identity absolutely go hand in hand. So if you thought I'm not a very creative, uh, sorry, courageous person, let's take courage as an example. So I'm not a very courageous person. If you start stepping towards things you're scared of, you develop the evidence that fuels the belief that actually you're a bit more courageous than you thought you were. Uh, and it's by developing the character that we also inform the identity. Um, sometimes, honestly, our identity is kind of catching up with our reality. So you are more creative than you thought you were. Um, and sometimes it, it, we just need to look for the evidence. It's not the presence of the evidence, it's the recognition of the evidence. Um, that really helps develop confidence and belief. If we also understand that our beliefs um, form through a process, but often we're not really in charge of that process. Again, it's just we're letting it happen as opposed to deliberately and intentionally sculpting those beliefs. And most beliefs that form are faulty. Um, and, and they can become very, very strong, kind of like rock solid beliefs, but they're still faulty. Because if you think about how we form beliefs, most people start off with an idea and they look out into the world for confirmation that this idea might be true. Right. And because they're looking for confirmation, that's what they see. So actually the idea then becomes a theory and they go out and test it in the same way. Let's confirm what I already believe or, or I'm theorizing. And then it becomes a bit stronger than a theory. It becomes an opinion and then it becomes a belief. And every time we test it in that way by confirming what we already believe, we wrap it, as I call it, in a little layer of concrete. And once we've done that a few times, we end up with a belief that's pretty solid, but it could really be faulty. Um, uh, the, the example I share of, of um, Caroline's experience is, is when she and I had a conversation uh, probably a couple of years ago now, and she said, I always cook pasta for the girls. I mean, essentially what she's saying is I don't give them a very varied diet and I'm not a very good mum. Right. And I, I said to her, okay, just for interest, when was the last time you cooked them pasta? Before tonight, when was the last time? And she said, oh, I don't know, maybe two weeks ago. Oh, right, interesting. And, and the time before that? Oh, I don't know, maybe a couple of weeks before that. 
So, so actually, on average, it's about once every two weeks. Yeah. Well, yeah, probably. <laughs> the thing is, if if we don't challenge that belief, she's got the belief. I always cook pasta for the kids. Next time she puts pasta in the bowl, see, told you so. You always cook pasta for the girls. And and if she was then, and and part of this obviously is related to, oh, you look at you, you're not a very good mum. If she then doesn't get the PE kit ready on time, or she was two minutes late dropping them for school or something, see, told you you weren't a very good mum. And and we, we you would end up focusing on like 0.01 of the evidence, 0.01% of all of the available evidence, but that's the bit that confirms what you already believe. Is- so it solidifies that belief. So, so powerful. And I think there's a load of, I know when I come across this and whenever you talk about this stuff with me and I know for people listening, this will be a big mind blowing moment to actually stop and consciously, because I guess the first step of this is to consciously start looking for this stuff, start deciding, okay, great. What are the characteristics I need to work on? Where are the gaps in my identity, I suppose, that are holding me back rather than pushing me forward? So if somebody wants to take what they've learned here today and start to, to, to put this into place, what would you say is the first thing, one thing that somebody should take away and do right away? I'm always a believer in just start small and take a step and then take another step afterwards, another, another step afterwards. So if you said, for example, I mean, I, I met a guy, uh, I was doing some work in Norway um, and uh, the question came from a golfer. He said, uh, I'm, I'm not very honest. I don't like it. I want to change it. I know I'm not very honest. What can I do? And we had a conversation. I said to him, look, you know, the truth is that you were a liar, not you are a liar. Um, Because actually, unless you're lying to me right now, the last one was in the past. Even 10 seconds ago, it's still in the past. So right now you've got a choice. You will be presented with an opportunity in the future and you've got a choice between telling the truth and lying. We had a little conversation about why people are dishonest. And most of the time it's not malicious it's because they're embarrassed by the truth or, you know, it, it, it makes them look bad. They want to create a better impression for somebody else. And we started talking about that bit. And I just said to him, for interest, if, if there were two people in front of you, one was trying to fabricate and get you to buy into this fictitious picture through a lie. And the other one was telling you the truth and said, look, it doesn't make me look very good, but this is the truth. I said, who would you respect more? And he said, oh, uh, person B. So, so we started to understand actually the lies were probably not uh, helping and they were probably hindering anyway. They were counterproductive. And then I said to him, look, you know, some will be easier than others. You'll come across some occasions where telling the, the truth is quite easy and somewhere it's a lot more difficult. But at that point, you've got a choice. What are you going to choose? I said, if you continually take steps towards being an honest person, you are already becoming an honest person. This is a journey, not a destination. You're on that path and you are becoming more honest. And every time you do it, you can say, I took another step towards honesty. Um, And I said, you won't do it all the time. And I'm not asking you to make 100% of the decisions right now that you'll always be honest. But when you get to that position, just make a choice and you will set a path. Um, So so there's simple things that you can do. With identity, it's just, let's just challenge some of the beliefs. Let's throw a little bit of doubt at some of those rock solid beliefs we might have. Um, some cases we could take a bit more of a sledgehammer to it. Uh, one of mine was I can't sing in public. And because I had it, I thought, right, okay, let's take a bit more of a hammer to this one then. So at the end of our last success engineers event, I don't know whether you ever saw the pics or not. Um, but, um, 
I, I closed out by sharing some lit. Uh, some lyrics from a song and our, our event actually was about character and identity so the song i chose was uh, i am the one and only which you're probably a bit too young for but it was a chesney hawks i know tune. and uh, so i i had bought myself from um from a certain website a child's pink guitar a girl's pink toy guitar and a toy microphone and uh, I, so I said the lyrics and then I said to them, you know, it is a song. So technically I should be singing this. And of course they said, well, why don't you then? So I got my guitar out and I got my microphone and I sang Chesney Hawks as much as anything to say, I, I used to put those words in behind. I can't dot, dot, dot. I can't sing in public. So let's just smash it with a sledgehammer. Now I can not well, I didn't say in tune or anything, <laughs> but I can do it. I love it. This so, is- so some of the time, we, it's about really recognising that we have the choice to become the person we want to be. To this point, we might not have been deliberately and intentional about becoming the person we want to be. But from this point onwards, we can, through a series of choices, decide who we want to be and take steps towards it. Um, and baby steps are great because baby steps become steps, become strides, become leaps. So just start with some baby steps. It's brilliant. And it just all goes to show that it's never too late to change direction or, or just start to adapt and, and really become the person you want to be. Simon, mate, this has been awesome. Now, for people who want to find out generally a bit more about you, I know we've got a, a link to a program of yours in the show notes, which I'll give people the link to in a minute. But if people want to find out more about you generally and everything you're up to, where do they go? Uh, so our website is b-world-class.com. Uh, that's a good start. Uh, hopefully, if you threw Be World Class and Simon Hartley into Google, it should... <laughs> Uh, come up with our site. Um, you might find the um, the YouTube site on there as well. Um, so yeah, that that's generally a good place to to start. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining. This has been awesome. My pleasure. How cool was that? Like I said, I stumbled across Simon's work a few years ago, and I've always been very cynical about some elements of uh, mindset coaching and performance stuff. But as soon as I saw what he had to share, I was just blown away. And I knew that I wanted to share this with you, the listeners. Now, if you want to find out more about Simon, if you want to check the show notes on this episode, if you want to have a link across to uh, to his program he's currently working on, you can find all of that in the show notes, which you'll find at successunlocked.com forward slash character. That's successunlocked.com forward slash character. Now, if you've enjoyed this episode, I know you have, please do me a massive favor. I will beg, I will beg you to do it. Please go and find the podcast on your favorite podcast player. That could be Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Leave us a little rating and a review because it really helps to spread the word and help more people to find this stuff. That's it for this week's episode. We'll be back at the same time, the same place next week here at Success Unlocked. You've been listening to Success Unlocked. Don't forget to stop by at successunlocked.com for full notes and resources from this and every other episode. Then subscribe so that you don't miss out on anything.